And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and here is always with the magnetic Dr. Bearer Paul Landil coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme, here on the beautiful waters, azure waters of the Smith River. Uh, it's good to be here in spring, and everything's in bloom. And man, are we busy on the farm right now, Bear. Uh, I, I, it's great seeing all the videos you guys are doing them out on instagram uh all the wonderful flowers shannon's capturing and everything in bloom out there and a lot of work huh <laughs> yeah but uh very very satisfying work yeah uh you did some great posts with is our friend isabel was visiting uh and that's fun you guys can follow us over there on instagram at Alpha Vedic, uh, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C. We do uh, have a post, a reel that went out a couple weeks ago that will be uh, very much applicable today's to discussion with Matt Rusky uh, about electroculture. That thing's almost at 4 million views. Uh, and I think that's telling us something. The world is ready for this information. And I'm very excited to dive deep into it today. I just want to say thanks to everybody who came out in Nashville last weekend. Alpha Vedic fam, it was great to see you in person and hug you uh, at CauseFest. And it was really fun hanging out with Matt Presti and his partner, Lori. Uh, you guys are awesome. And seeing Kathy, meeting Kathy O'Brien was great, Bear. She was given, she wanted to make sure uh, to give you lots of love. And she is an amazing soul. Yeah, she soul. Uh, emailed me, said she had a great meeting with you. Wonderful. So thanks again, guys. And remember, uh, oh, the end of COVID has dropped. Uh, the end of COVID. <laughs> well, the website for the event featuring Dr. Bear Strike three. <laughs> Strike three. Um, uh, go check it out. Endofcovid.com. And then, of course, Music and Sky is coming up. Before we know it, we have some possible special surprises. I'll tell you after the show, Bear, someone you've been wanting to get on AlphaCast for a long time. Uh, we've got a direct connection to him now. And we will be getting him on the show to go deep into the truths about the Vatican. I won't say anything else. Oh, you're you we're getting Pope Frankie on. <laughs> Finally, the uh, emperor himself. Leo. Um, <laughs> good old Leo. Uh, but without further ado, uh, unless you have anything else to say, Bear, I'd love to jump into this podcast today. Yeah, let's do it. We want to hear from Matt. Okay. Electric culture is an ancient practice of increasing yields utilizing certain materials to harvest the earth's atmospheric energy this was presented in 1749 by abby nolet the 1920s by justin christoflu saying that right in 1940s by of course one of our favorites victor schauberger this energy is always present and all around us also known as chi prana life force and ether when using electroculture, there is no need for the use of pesticides, manure, or fertilizers. This is primarily why this information was suppressed. All you need is the sun, the clouds, the rain, the nitrogen in the air, and the ability to harness atmospheric energy. These atmospheric antennas can be created from materials such as wood, copper, zinc, and brass. When adding these atmospheric antenna to your garden, soil, or farm, they will amplify your yields, combat frost and excessive heat, reduce irrigation, reduce pests, and increase the magnetism of your soil, leading to more nutrients in the long run. Matt Roski joins this AlphaCast episode to share his experience within the growing electrocultural movement, within the conscious farming community, and of course, right here at the Alpha Vedic Farm. 
Similar to many in the health and wellness industry, Matt's journey began with the intention to improve his own health. Quote, I could no longer tolerate being sick so often. Feeling tired, bloated, and anxious was holding me back from enjoying a fulfilling life of adventure. Matt will give us the ins and outs of everything electroculture, and Dr. Lando will also share imagery and insights to his success producing medicinal herbs through ionization, soil analysis, biogeometry, and electroculture. Bear, we've been having a lot of fun with this of late. I can't think of a better time to have Matt on the show. Well, uh, Matt, thanks for being with us, first of all. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun because it's a subject near and dear to us. And, uh, you know, I have to credit you for really leading the charge here. You know, you've gotten it out and become the spokesperson for electroculture. And, uh, you know, it's uh, because of you, I believe, in your efforts, it's really trending pretty heavily right now, uh, you know, to, to just... Uh, prove that, you know, that Instagram that we did is almost 4 million people now. And I'm just putting up little antennas in my, in my growing area and uh, people are really eating it up. And, you know, it makes so much sense um, to us because, uh, well, we're going to let you tell us what it does. Um, would you mind if I share the screen? You know, I just went out before, uh, ran out and took a couple pictures and uh, this will take like one minute, then we'll hand it over to you, Matt. I just wanted you to see some of the areas. I, I didn't have time to photograph area, uh, all of it, but um, I'll share the screen. I'll do a little slideshow. And uh, some of the areas uh, have antennas where the plants haven't been exposed to the electroculture too long. And then others you'll see are a little bit more lush because they've been uh, you know, since uh, earlier spring subjected to it. Then we've got uh, new growing areas. So I'll just give you a little uh, slideshow presentation here. And Mike, I'm going to hit share screen. And uh, okay, let's hopefully this will work here. It is and, working. Oh. God, music, I've got to get rid of that, sorry. Okay, so these are just some of the rows of some of the medicinal herbs, and you can, uh, hopefully you can see the um, antennas everywhere. Yep. And you can see some of the growth is a little more sparse because it's very early in the season, and those are going to be thick green walls here in just another month. Um, I still have to clear, clear off the trellises from last year's growth. Um, this is, uh, one of our herbs. See, uh, these have been exposed a month longer to the electroculture. So we know it works because they just grow like crazy. And, uh, so this is just various areas on the farm where we have stuff. Now here's our new Shazandra berry grow. So those are just brand new little starts there and they're getting electroculture from the very start. You can see the poles there. And uh, I think we're back at the beginning, but we've got these rows of poles pretty much everywhere. And uh, Matt, you're the guy to explain all this, uh, why we're actually seeing some results here. So I'm going to stop the share and turn it off to you. So welcome, Matt. And uh, tell us how you got into electroculture, maybe. And um, that's a good place to start. 
Well, thank you for having me on. And I'm happy to see that the garden is growing very fast with the electroculture. But with the electroculture, how I got into it is about 2019, 2020, I had an Akashic reading done just before all the nonsense began. And the lady who I talked to told me to look into crop circles. Towards the end of the reading, that's what she said. Look into crop circles. You'll be able to figure them out. You'll understand them. You know, you'll just know where to go from there. And when she told me about crop circles, I said I, I knew about them because of obviously I saw them in the in the past. But she she just said, just go look at them, spend time looking at them, and you'll just kind of figure it out. So I went on the website. It, there's like a UK website where there's just tons of crop circles. They show all the crop circles that they get all all season and all the different designs. And what I noticed was is they looked kind of like things that were going on on the earth, you know, certain alignments of let's say the stars or the planets or maybe like a full moon or an eclipse. And then certain fractals and different shapes that looked very familiar to kind of what we were seeing. So I thought that was interesting. But as I got into that work and started studying crop circles, I started getting into pyramid energy. And I started researching a lot with Mary Hardy and all of her books with pyramid power and how to build pyramids, the, the, the energies that come from pyramids, how if a person wears a pyramid or a, a dunce hat on their hat on their head, you know, it, it causes the cells to spin the back the opposite direction so that they can focus, you know, and that's what they would do with children in school. So I got into all that, started researching that and understanding all this spiraling and pretty much all the vortexing that was taking place. And as I was getting into vortex energy and information related to that, I started getting into Victor Schauberger and understanding that everything is spiraling all the time, right? That's what's creating this beautiful life that's all around us. And Victor Schauberger has some tremendous patents. He's probably, I mean, if we're going to pick one of the top people I talk about or even believe in with the amount of research in which he's done, because he used to live in the forest. He understood the forest. He'd pay attention to nature. He, he, he understood it fully. And he said, if we go against nature, then nature will go against us. It's that simple. You know, if we, we, if we, if we build in straight lines, nature doesn't work in straight lines. It works in curves. You know, so when I got into his work, and I started seeing his bioplow and that beautiful invention in which he created, and then his different flying saucers, which relate to vortex energy as well. And now I believe Mercury. Um, but you know, when I got into his work, I started getting into all of his stuff related to farming. And he was informing people at that time: if you use copper tools, and you know, you'll start to yield more, you'll grow more food, you know, you'll enhance the energetic principle of the soil. Versus when we use all this iron, we're actually blocking everything up and it's causing it to get real clumpy and it diminishes the energy. And he showed that, you know, when, when you're using a lot of iron, you're putting a lot of rust, decay and heat into the soil. And then all the slugs start coming around because they want to clean it all up. And you start having all these issues, you know, such as lack of growth and things like that. And when he started proposing this to people, he started talking about how we should be using copper tools. He proposed it to the Bulgarian government at that time. And he basically said, let's do copper tools. I'll make them all for you. I've seen what they've done. They, they work remarkably for all the, the farmers I presented them to. And the Bulgarian government shot it down at that time because they were getting a kickback from the fertilizer companies. So what they did was they put out a broadcast on the news and the radio at that time, that if you use copper tools in your soil, you will lead to having too much food and not making enough money. So when I read that little part in the book, I pretty much was like, wait, what? 
you know, and this was during 2020, 2021, when they were orchestrating these food shortages, you know, when they were holding stuff in the warehouse, basically, you know, and then telling us we're running out of food. And I thought, so we knew how to fix all, we knew how to have abundance in the 1940s during all this time with Victor Schauberger's work. And basically, as I got into his work, I started understanding things with Justin Christo Flo, George Lakofsky, you know, all these people who've been working on the energetic spectrum over here, which is really not talked about, you know, even with planting and gardening, you know, everything works with the cycles of the moon, the sun, the planets, the alignments, you know, even ley lines, right? Everything is energy. And so when I started getting into all these different topics, it also started connecting me back into the old world cathedrals and those beautiful antennas that used to be all over. And I kind of thought if we take those antennas, place them onto our soil, we can have the same results. So after I studied those things, I decided to try it. I did exactly what you did. I took a piece of wood and copper and I stuck it in my planter pot and I'm on the balcony. It's the third floor. It's the main street. It's tap water. Like I have, you know, I'm giving it that, that example. I had a moringa plant and I noticed that instead of the moringa pods growing about six inches, which is usually the average for moringa pods, they grew 14 to 22 inches. And I was just blown away and thought we could have two times, three times, four times the food in just a smaller plot. And when I got into this, I basically then started creating videos, started, you know, researching more topics and related to energy and, and planting. And then now here we are today in 2023 and electroculture is like you said, it's, it's going all over the place. And I'm thankful for that because it's giving people just a different way of looking at things, you know, not just the same, everything is the same, 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 because also if we keep everything the same, we can never change anything, you know, and never, we never have abundance on this side if we always do it the same. So that's the short story of it, but it, it was, a, it's, it's all through learning different things related to energy and then connecting them into the into the the plants and then spending a lot of time in nature myself and kind of connecting things and putting the dots together yeah fa fantastic you know um in the healing arts um you know in a world of uh you know just trying to electrify ourselves to keep everything going in my laboratory uh agriculture we're all talking about the same thing every single culture has had different terminologies and you know, that's uh, similar, you know, how I started connecting the dots, just, uh, you know, studying different things because I had to learn how to do things I wanted to do. Um, the, the thing that's really important to me about electroculture is that, uh, you know, we're a small farm and what we're creating is a prototype to show people that if every community had several small farms, each one specializing in different things, we could provide for all of our needs and we don't have to rely on factory farms. But for people like myself, especially our farm setting, you know, it's in very rugged terrain. And so we can't, you know, we don't get yeah, equipment in here and tractors. It's all hands-on intensive labor uh, you know, including, uh, you know, up until a year ago before the electroculture, going out every morning and picking out uh, buckets of uh, slugs off our plants every day. You know, we haven't had any slugs this year. It's it's marvelous. I mean, just that alone is a game changer for us. You know, we can sleep in an extra half hour instead of going out there with a flashlight when it's still dark. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, some of the new areas where we have electroculture that were struggling a little bit because uh, what I grow, they like dappled light and one area is a little bit too much sun. I haven't got the shade cloth up, which will, you know, help it out. Uh, but it's already growing like crazy, uh, like it would have, you know, normally after the shade cloth and after another month of growth. So, you know, it's definitely working for us. And um, and again, for people like ourselves, where we're short of uh, hands and other kinds of resources and have to do everything our own, just anything you can do that can make your life e easier and then also increase production with less uh, amendments and things. And then, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about some Schauberger technology too that we use, but uh, please go ahead and tell us what kind of um, projects you got going well, can on I, right can now. Can I ask real quick, Bear, why no slugs then? Why, what's the science behind that? Well, Matt, so, why don't you answer that? I've got my own ideas. So the, with, with the slugs, they're blue bloods, right? So they're copper blood, copper based. Right. And placing that copper into the soil, they don't want to have to come around and clean anything up. But when there's all the iron in the soil, right? Because we use so much iron. Think of when you go to the hardware store, everything is iron, right? It's iron, steel, every, yeah. every single thing you could think of. If it's not, it's DuPont plastic, right? So you have either one of those two. But, you know, with the whole iron, 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 what you have, what you start getting is all this rust and decay. Like think of when you have a cast iron pot and you let it sit, it's got all that rust on it. So these slugs are trying to come in and clean all that up. And if you have a lot of iron, which primarily a lot of people do because of any usage of anything has iron in it, and even the, at the hardware store with like all this stuff that they sell, it's loaded with iron. It's the first ingredient, actually. You know, so they know this whole situation. But when you start placing copper in there, they don't want to come around and clean anything up because there's copper now present and there's a balance. But when there's all that iron, they'll come in there and try to clean that up. So just that simple thing, like you just said, is just an easy way to get rid of just the slugs, you know, and then related into other insects, which do come around and eat things as well, too. You know, if the soil is healthy and the plant is energetically healthy, you know, they don't really want to come around as much either, too, because I've realized when I started researching like Philip Callahan's work and all of his stuff related to insects and infrareds and UVs and these things, plants will begin to emit a frequency that will basically tell other insects to come around and clean it all up and they will just eat it till it's gone. You know, so if you think of the slug, that's kind of what it's trying to do. The slug is trying to come around and clean things up, fix it. So same thing with other insects, when you clean up and you increase that energy of the soil and the plant, those same bugs don't want to come around. And I think, at least my theory now with the copper as well, the copper shows how healthy everything actually is. Because I've even seen where people will place copper, they'll get a plant, like let's say from, let's say Home Depot, they'll bring it home, it's green as can be, you know, it looks great, they'll place the copper in there, the plant looks like it's not doing that good. And then all of a sudden the plant will just go absolutely crazy and turn into a whole different plant, almost like it's going through a molting process like an insect, but like as a plant too. So it's, yeah, when it's very interesting when you get into all of this and how alive everything is, but that's kind of with the slugs and the copper. And that's exactly the way it works in the human body as well. You know, we've been doing a lot these last couple of years to counter the false germ theory of disease. And in our bodies, we have all these uh, friendly organisms that have to pleomorphically 
uh, change, go through changes in order to become scavengers uh, to clean clean up all the the terrain that's diseased and and uh, you know inflamed and so forth. But when you clean up your own terrain with healthy lifestyle and double plus good positive thoughts, then um, you know they don't have to be in there. Uh, all the time and making you feel like you've got six symptoms. And then of course, our genius medical doctors uh, go ahead and say, oh, you, you know, it's a, a germ caused that. So, uh, you know, pretty basic logical stuff. Yeah. Or it's your genetics. You know, that's what they'll say too. Oh, right. The yeah. They love that. Not, you know, the, uh, it's just your genes. It's like, no, it's the poison I'm putting into my body. You know, let's, let's make it really simple. But yes, it's interesting because same thing with plants, right? If you pour poison on plants, how do you expect to have healthy plants? And then how do you expect to yield more over time? And that's the interesting thing too I noticed with electroculture is each year, it will double and triple whatever you did the first year because now you're just increasing that energy. So it really made me start to wonder how big can things be, right? How large can like berries be and all these different things when they're on say the third or fourth or maybe even fifth year and you know, are things also in a state of actually being gone? Because that was another interesting thing I saw. I had friends who were up in Northern California and they wrapped pines that had been gone for a long time with some copper and they noticed the pines now have leaves again. And those, those pines have not had anything going on for almost five years. So now the question is, is what state are plants actually in? Are they just hibernating? you know, or that molting process or, uh, uh, you know, and it makes me think, cause you know, a lot of people are obviously connecting the chemtrails and all the geoengineering and all the poisoning there. But with our friend, Mitch, the orgone donor, we got deeper into the fact that maybe those planes aren't, aren't even, they're like a projection that because we've seen them just kind of disappear and that it just gets woo woo. But we have to remember this entire realm is all interconnected. Everything's talking to everything in nature, right? And the whole biosystem is 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 basically because of what human consciousness has done to it has led to those things being spread spraying. And it's like our own conscious poisoning of our own environment. And so now all of the plant life is dying. But if we can reinvigorate that plant life and get it going again, get the machine going back to nature, very likely that will stop up there too. So this, this is a, a wonderful so solution, right? Um, where beyond orgone, we've talked about organite and stuff, getting this copper and getting these around plants and stuff, and then going and hugging trees and having good intention and just waking people up is the biggest thing we need to do. But that is really interesting as a counter to the sort of what we're seeing in the forest, especially in Northern California, where there's a lot of, a lot of like uh, accounts where trees are just falling over now and they're really weak in the root system. And of course, with the fires we've had, they're like tinder boxes, right? So that is really interesting, that connection there. And I think also too, just on that topic is, you know, you have World War One and World War II as resets, right? A lot of these buildings that used to possess all of these antennas were all removed, right? And I think a lot of those antennas actually dealt with a lot of countering what was up above in the air, right? Because nobody would place 50 to 100 to 1,000 antennas all over their cathedral, you know, if they were worried about lightning, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that those actually played a great counter and as we do this on the, the ground movement, right? Everything as above, so below. So whatever we're doing down here is also going up there as well. And I've seen 
some videos as well. Jim Gale put up a couple and then a couple other people as well, where their electroculture antennas were countering whatever was going on in the sky. You know, so like you said, it could yeah. just be on an energetic level, right? They're always trying to dim frequencies. <laughs> well, and I, one thing I really want to cover today, gentlemen, and you guys are two of the probably the best in the world to, to explain people, is in this 4 million view video, there is a lot of like mainstream electricians and people coming in and doubting this because, and maybe it's the branding of electroculture could be changed to ether culture or something, but it's a very materialistic, particle-driven uh, scientific ideology that we're talking about just pure electricity. And there's a lack of greater understanding of the ether and what the actual atmospheric energetics are we're talking about. And then on, on a tail on that, there is like, I guess, a mainstream consensus now around why this works. And what they're saying is it's the plant biology. It's purely a biological reason, a mechanical reason that the plant is essentially ramping up for an electrical storm, a thunderstorm. I think this came out in like 2006. And so the, the plant rootlets are expanding to get ready for the rain that's coming. And that's the, the reason mainstream science says electroculture works and why we're getting the massive amount of growth. Um, I think there's a much greater understanding that we have that I'd love to elucidate and explain to our audience. So with that topic, you know, you're captivating all the energy that's all around us. You know, if you just sit and do breath work, it's the exact same thing, right? You're just going to energize your cells. So same thing with these antennas, you know, you'll start to notice more pollinators. You'll start to notice more bees. You know, I have people who they're cats. It's hilarious. All their cats. And I have so many pictures now. I'm just collecting them. But cats just sitting next to all of the antennas, dogs sitting next to all the antennas, you know, even horses. I had a lady message me yesterday that she had a horse and a donkey come to her land and be in her backyard. And, you know, she's like the chance of this and everything is <laughs> very slim, you know, like I've, I've been living here for 20 years, you know, so I kind of see it as if, if animals, insects and bees and birds can see those things, it's a frequency in which our eyes cannot see. And like you said, in this materialist, you know, looking of ways, you know, we, we try to see everything and try to explain things, but there are a lot of things which are occurring. There's vortexes that are spiraling all the time that, you know, we're not even paying attention to. And a simple, simple example of this, just to show that, you know, energy is present. If you drive out on a certain street, there's certain streets that always have accidents. And those accidents have ley lines underneath them, which are spiraling which cause people to actually crash, right? Because they, they get a burst of energy and they get confused and they usually crash their car. One is right in front of my house. I've actually seen it so many times. And there's a little old world emblem in front of my house as well too. So, you know, there's energy all over the place. And they used to pick up on this and just to take it to another level with dousing rods. They used to walk around with dousing rods and find all these energetic spots and they would be able to find water, silver, gold, you know, and What's interesting is if you look at the biggest companies in the world who use dousing rods, it's medical companies and also big oil, right? So if it's if none of this is true, and that's why I'm just saying all of this, if none of this is true, then why are these huge, gigantic companies using this type of tech, these techniques, right? Doesn't make a lot of sense. But what I've realized is when we had that whole Rockefeller educational program started in the 1900s, where they took over and they started the General Electric or General Education Board right? Everything started to shift away from the word ether. Ether, the actual term started to just disappear. And then it was replaced with just electricity, you know, and we just keep that word instead. 
even though still to this day, we don't even know how electricity is made, you know, but we say we do because we've been told about it. And that's based on our, in my opinion, our educational system. And for the real explanations, you have to go a few centuries to see what the old alchemists were up to. Um, I do a uh, soil analysis. Uh, I talk about quite often. It's called ionization analysis. And uh, what we understand there is it's not about dumping a lot of fertilizers or amendments on the soil, even organic stuff. Um, what you do in your analysis, you take many soil samples and you understand that the proportion, mathematical proportion of minerals in the soil um, are what allow uh, least electrical resistance to reach the plant rootlets. And so you then, uh, you know, based on uh, on the math, then you just kind of make very minor tweaks in order to get rid of the electrical impediments. And then, uh, you know, just very inexpensively and effortlessly things just take off. Now, when you use electroculture, as uh, you know, how, you know, I would explain it is now you're creating a. Uh, you know, a North Pole uh, that's bringing in the atmospheric uh, energy through the ethers. And we can talk about the layers of ethers and what's happening there. Um, and then you have the South Pole, which is in the carbon element or what we used to call the Earth element. And then that just grounds that electricity in there. So uh, what I'm finding is that uh, those impediments to electricity, you know, being compatible with the plants, uh, and, you know, it's just automatically overcoming those and getting rid of uh, the things that, you know, maybe I would have to, you know, add a little more calcium to the soil, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, just things are effortlessly taking care of themselves by bringing in an abundance of atmospheric electricity. So, you know, it's I really don't think this stuff is um, is brain surgery. You know, it's pretty common sense. And then can you speak a little bit about uh, I know you studied a lot on this. Uh, there was uh, this extensively used in agriculture in the past as well, right? Yes. So this was used. So if you go back all the way to, like you said, the 1700s, right, they used to use different types of copper watering cans and different types of devices to basically electrically charge their water. You know, they did a lot with structuring water, with singing and sound frequencies as well. Uh, Dorothy Redelac, Sound of Music and Plants, great book, you know, on that topic as well. But yeah, when you go into the 1900s and all the way up until, like I said, the World War II reset and those resets that occurred, they were doing all of this. You know, Justin Cristo Flo was creating all different types of antennas. He was taking pictures, showing gigantic cabbages, you know, all different types of yields. He had, I think it was like rye and oats, which were, I think, like 12 feet tall. You know, this is, it's all been around. And the easiest way to say it too is look at cathedrals, right? Cathedrals have antennas on top of them. And they usually have a piece of copper that runs down from whatever antenna it is up on up on top of the cathedral. And it runs down to their beautiful garden that's next door, right? And their garden is always perfectly cut in, you know, in sacred geometry and all these beautiful designs and these things. But they've known about electroculture for, you're going back, you know, now 1500s, 1400s, whatever timeline you want to say it is. But, you know, the cathedrals were really big on this, you know? So when we look at the past, they were all doing this. But what I've noticed is when you get into books about 1902, right, I collect a lot of books from about the 1880s to 1902. When you get into those books, there's a lot of flips that occurred, right? And a lot of flipping of all of a sudden where we use this technology, we use the ether, 
We used uh, wireless devices, right? We used wireless technology that used the Earth's human frequency, 7.83 hertz. And then we flipped to something that's completely the opposite, right? So for example, there used to be a wireless telephone created by Mr. Stubbenfield in the 1900s, but instead we went with Marconi's radio instead, and that's the toxic version. So same thing with we were using or harvesting the ether to now we switch to chemical fertilizers and all these different toxins, which like you just described, are blocking up the energy principles of the plant. And I feel like that's what's also up in the air. When that stuff rains down, what you notice is all these trees, when I look at them, their root system is completely what's messed up. The top of the tree looks perfectly fine, or maybe one side is starting to fail, but that's the energy starting to fail on that side. But the bottom actual root system is all completely, looks like it's falling apart. And then that tree just goes and falls over like that. Because what I've noticed is, is like you said, that's what's happening. All either the stuff in the air or the chemicals in which are being applied are blocking up the roots, which also don't allow the nutrients or the sap, right? The blood of the plant to flow. And if nothing can flow, then that, that plant or that tree just goes. So, you know, when we look into the past, and I'm just using that as an example, there's so many examples of different people, even George Lakofsky, he would wrap his plants with copper and they would grow two, three times the size. He would wrap his patients in copper and they would get rid of inflammation, brain fog, and all different types of things. So, you know, this practice has been used for a long time, but if we forget about it, then obviously we get taken advantage of and then told us, told it's not true or things like that. Yeah. Um, nitrogen in alchemy is called the most pure mineral. And what it does is it creates a coagulation, um, you know, after the fire element, which is hydrogen, uh, which creates a whole first couple stages of precipitation in the ethers. So uh, most farmers understand that, well, uh, some do, that if there's uh, an abundance of calcium, then that's going to help push the electrical resistance in a certain level. But our soil is uh, so fouled up now, and also with the stuff that's uh, competing, you know, with what's falling from the sky, um, that resistance is off because of, uh, you know, the mineral imbalance in the soil. So now the nitrogen coming in right from the atmosphere or, you know, people trying to green up their plants, you know, by using uh, nitrogen fertilizers uh, when there's not the proper resistance. And even in the forest where, you know, it's just left up to its own on the, out in the wildlands, uh, that nitrogen then is going to uh, literally make the trees and the plants burn from inside. Uh, you know, that's why a lot of people go over nitrogenate, you know, out in the farm and they know, you know, their plants burn. Well, that's because there's uh, uh, faulty, um, you know, resistance in the soil. And then, you know, if you add a little calcium, it helps. But we've got such a, a complicated thing right now. And, you know, nitrogen, too, being the coagulator, when the temperature drops, like in fall, uh, all the deciduous trees uh, lose their... Um, leaves because the nitrogen creates coagulation the sap in the trees the plants deciduous trees especially thickens and then it's like the micro circulation out to the branches you know uh slows down and that's why you know they lose the leaves now that's appropriate in nature's natural cycles but that's what we're doing all the time now because we've thrown everything out of electrical balance 
and nitrogen is acting unimpeded, burning things up and and things are dying. And then uh, like in Northern California, you know, I have an affiliation with Oregon State University because I did some permaculture and master gardener certifications, which I could barely stand, but I did it anyway because they're, you know, coming from real normie kind of stuff. And they're all out there in the forest, uh, you know, trying to identify the oaks that are, you know, falling prey to, uh, you know, bark beetles so that they can then start spraying them and everything. Whereas I used to have arguments with these professors. It's like, look, guys, you know, the it's the the beetles are just there as a byproduct of an out of balance ecosystem. So, um, you know, just just crazy. You couldn't be further. Uh, away from understanding than uh, the folks out there in our higher, you know, learning institutions. Well, and on that topic too, is like, if something's like not healthy, something is going to come and try to clean it up. And those beetles, that's just what's going on. They're coming in there because that, that bark has gotten so weak now and there's no electricity flowing, right? So they can't even supply and a lot of, a lot of supply each other nutrients or communicate between each other, right? Because trees just have a beautiful network underneath us to communicate between each other. And so we start looking at, you know, this adapter to the adapter to the adapter. That's kind of how I see it now, you know, instead of addressing just the root cause and related to all the things with pests, right? Simple solutions. If a person is having so many, they don't know what to do. It's obviously taking care of their soil. They can use basalt, right? Volcanic clay, which gone, it goes through the alchemy process. It's already been cooked. And then it has all kinds of quartz and beautiful piezoelectric effect. You can put basalt all over your soil. And then also, if they're having other issues related to any insects, you can play bat sounds. Just the simple sounds of bats will get rid of a lot of these pests because they don't want to get eaten. You know, and sound frequency also plays a role in this too, right? With all of this chemical farming that they've decided to do, DDT is good for me and all the other garbage that they used to pull. You know, that stuff impact a lot of the birds and sound frequencies are very healing for our trees and our plants too. You know, so as they were pretty much harming all those birds and taking a lot of them out, now the trees don't have their friends, right? Because like when we all, if all three of us, for example, went out in nature and started exploring, everything is in balance, right? And once you remove one, then you have this whole other problem. And that's why we never fix, at least in my opinion, the root cause because it keeps making more money, right? It just keeps leading to another plan. And now they're starting to sell, if you want to take it a step further, they got Wi-Fi hoses and all types of smart devices for your water, <laughs> underwater, yeah. you know, as if we don't know when to water something, you know, just silly things that don't even make any sense, you know, but then what's that going to cause? It's a, it's, a, it's a microwave frequency, right? So it's going to impede your water and then impede your plant life. And then they can sell you more drugs, you know, and it's just the cycle without, like you said, addressing just the soil that if you just look down, it's right there, you know, like it's right below you instead of addressing that. Amazing. And uh, well, let's get into maybe Schauberger a little bit. You know, um, when we do feed our plants, we use a vortex technology and I use very micro amounts of nutrition. You don't need a lot. And the main thing is, you know, you've got an implosion device that is, uh, structuring the water and then suspending those micronutrients in a certain way in the water and uh, the growth on those is phenomenal and also because it creates an abundance of microorganisms and oxygen 
uh, you know, which the plants absolutely thrive on because those microorganisms, of course, break down the minerals in the soil and make them available and so forth. So um, have you, uh, can you speak a little bit more on, uh, you know, just direct application of Schauberg principles, uh, Schauberger in the garden there? So with Schauberger's different things, you know, relating to the vortex, right? Anytime you vortex mm -hmm. water and you can vortex mm -hmm. your own water, you know, nice and simple. So if you have, for example, a cup mm -hmm. and you take a copper spoon or a silver spoon and you stir it clockwise, you know, say eight times to the right and eight times to the left, you instantaneously structure water because you're, you're spiraling. And Victor Schauberger saw all of that as well. He noticed that, for example, like salmon or fish or trout, right? They don't swim upstream. They actually create vortices with their little fins and they levitate up the stream. Same with birds. They create vortices behind their wings and behind you know, their, their tail. And that, that's what allows them to fly. So when you're structuring that water, what you're doing is you're basically putting it through almost like a, a quantum, you know, that's the easiest way to describe it, but a quantum experience where it almost just floats. And then that, as that brings back that structure, what I've noticed is it brings back the hydrogen because I feel like that's what they're trying to remove from a lot of our water systems. And if you look at all of these hydrogen water systems that they're always trying to sell, you know, you kind of can see this. And that's because when water does not flow in a curvature or in a curved manner, right? It just becomes, it just stops. It, it's life force stops. And that's why they're doing a lot of these dams where they're putting all these dams all over, blocking up the river so that the river doesn't flow. You know, but Victor Schauberger was big on understanding that you could take, for example, like a copper vortexed uh, cone, you could place it in the water and for example, a pool, and it will completely get rid of all the algae and any other imbalances which are occurring. And he started to notice that like more frogs came around, more tadpoles, more fish. They also picked up on that energy. And if you look at a river and a stream, there's all these vortices creating the flow of the water, right? There's all these spirals, you know? So when we mimic that, it's very beneficial, like you said, to your plants. And because the water is actually structured, you're bringing back that hydrogen and that hydration factor to heal. And he also created devices, which instead of using our traditional automobiles, which get about 13% efficiency, that's what he said. And this is 1940s, right? So I could imagine what we could be doing now. But, you know, 1940s, 13% efficiency, he was saying we can be using the vortex spin to create things to basically levitate, fly, and not use any energy in the same fashion of what we're using. We use a lot of heat energy, but when you spiral, you're using almost like a cold plasma or a colder energy. And so he explained the differences between the two of it. But everything he was doing really fascinated me because he just would look at, like, for example, a tree and see the spirals and see how things grew, right? Like everything grows at 1.6, you know, the, the phi or phi, whichever word you want to call it, but everything grows just like the spiral, you know? So as we mimic that, all of those things can also be very helpful. I've even done things where I will go into nature and I will create a vortex in the soil and I'll do chanting, right? And I will kind of stand there. And what I'll notice is as soon as I do that vortex in the soil, I'll start to notice more bees come around. I'll start to notice even birds. I'll start to notice different ants, right? Because what I realize is, is everything you imprint also into the earth is also resonating as a frequency. So we could be using different sacred geometry prints similar to crop circles in our soil. And that I believe can also help increase that area and that energy for our plants. You know, And 
he mentioned the other last thing on this is we, we, we grow things in straight lines. And that doesn't make any sense either, because if you think about it, everything kind of curves, similar to like how corn and other plants would work together and they grow them all together so that they would spiral together. You know, now we put, we, we, we plant in straight lines, which is against what nature is kind of doing, you know? So everything I noticed with him was about spinning. And even a simple example is as we were kids, we used to take a baseball bat and spin in a circle and, you know, you would spin and put your head down and things like that. It's changing everything that's flowing inside your mind to change the cells to spin back the opposite direction. Yeah. In our little uh, food production areas, all of our planting beds, you know, always central around a, a tree canopy and then uh, we have rock formations in certain numbers you know following more biogeometry principles we even do a lot of testing you know to make sure the residence is right so uh numbers and shapes and uh and you know we always duplicate kind of a fibonacci uh you know kind of pattern for the the planting beds so uh you know it really does work and then you're, you're talking about dowsing before well there's actually high-tech dowsing instruments where you can you know, incrementally measure different things if you understand what each one of those uh, little resonant incremental changes, uh, you know, on the uh, um, uh, dowsing rod actually allows you to tune in specifically too. So, um, you know, there when we get into spiraling too, what nature does, and I think what Schauberger understood is it's um, an implosion technology. So, it's creating spirals simultaneously in two different directions. So what you're like our little device, we have a big tank, uh, you know, to create that you're really creating a toroidal field. So you've got the energy going uh, centripetally, centrifugally and at the same time and just renewing those energy fields moment by moment, uh, you know, to create that next, that little framework of life that, uh, you know, makes plants grow that make us grow. And in the hydrogen element, you know, you're really in the old alchemical world, you're talking about the fire element, which is how pure consciousness, sentient consciousness, um, you know, creates through the ethers. And, and without that first hydrogen, which is the fire element, uh, you know, you're dead in the water. Nothing, you know, can generate from that point on unless you have that fire element or the hydrogen, as you're talking about. Yep. And that's why I think even relating to how we've been disconnected from fire, right? We have all this LED push mm -hmm. and all this other stuff that they're trying to sell us that gets rid of a lot of heat from our life. And there's a certain aspect of heat that's, I think, very necessary. I mean, people used to just take plants and they would put them in the fire and then take those ashes because they were in the colloidal state and place them all over their soil, right? So as we move away from that and that process, which we've been doing for a long period of time, then we're disconnected from that technique or just disconnected from that energy and that beautiful golden glow or you could do fire meditations as well whichever you know different types of opening up the brain yeah you can relate that to the yin and the yang also and uh you know the yang being more akin to the heat you know versus the yin more the cold and you need both and isn't it interesting even within the human species right now we're demonizing the yang element it's pretty much yes. Now we're going from one to the other. As the pendulum switches back, now it's the other mm -hmm. side. And then the pendulum swings back, and then we go back. And we go through these cycles that are every about 10 years, and it's just that same repeat. And that's why even with what I've been learning with this, 
I think this breaks a lot of those cycles because it just gives somebody a different option, you know, and something else where they don't have to then, you know, be reliant on what they've been shown or told or sold, right? It just, and people can do it themselves or just try it and see what happens. And you can also follow it even into the moon cycles. We have a lot of super moons. We got a lot of eclipses this year. You know, you're tuning into that beautiful energy too, you know, which is also not usually talked about as well. We know about the moons, but we don't connect it even into plant growth and things like that. So for the people that might want to jump into electroculture, uh, where do they start? Um, you know, how do you, how do you make these things and uh, what kind of advice did you give that could you give them? So with electroculture, you can go to your, there's two different ways, right? You can go in your backyard and find wood that is already in your backyard. That would be the best wood, in my opinion, because you are synced up to that wood, right? Everything in your backyard syncs to you. This was shown with, I believe, Baxter and his EKGs on plants, and then also Marcel Vogel talking to plants as well. But that would be your best option, finding that wood and then getting to the hardware store, getting yourself some spare copper that's not coated, that's 100% pure copper, not this um, you know fake stuff that they sell online. And then just making your coils, right? Making your coils around that piece of wood and then pointing it up towards the sky taking the other end, placing it into the earth and just put it in your backyard or in your garden and just see how it goes. The other option is you can get even like you have those, it look like six foot or eight foot, um, you know, different ones as well, different rods. And you can put those, the taller you go with the antenna, the more you gather the atmospheric energy. Cause after six feet is when the atmospheric energy begins to increase, at least to being collected, right? So the taller you can go with these antennas, the better. The other option that you can do with these antennas is you can add different types of stones and different types of quartz or different types of different types of things to add on top. And you can wrap those in copper and place those on top. And what happens is, so this is cherry quartz. It's a combination of cinnabar, which is the mercury, and then you also have quartz. As it's squeezed, it creates a piezoelectric effect, which amplifies the energy. But the other cool part about when you put, for example, a stone on top of your antenna is you have the reflection of the color spectrum onto your plants. And that's what I think is another part or another factor of the copper color spectrum reflecting onto your plants because a lot of this stuff that's up in the air is changing the hues. We're not getting those reds and yellows or beautiful you know, sunsets or sunrises as much. So what happens is when you get the sun beaming, you get that reflection and that color spectrum, but you can place different types of stones. You could use lapis. Lapis lazuli, one of my favorite stones. And then you can also use lodestone, which is naturally magnetic. That can be placed on top of the antenna and you can just enhance it from there. But all just basically just going out, trying it, putting this, you know, the sticks and then kind of see what happens. And if you want to, you know, move it to other levels, you can look into copper pyramids. You know, you can do different types of designs. Just look at nature and kind of think that's the design maybe I should try to go with. What about uh, copper bird baths? Oh, that would be nice. If you can find a copper bird bath and do that, because then that water will stay nice and uh, you know electrically charged. That's the best way to describe it. But it'll be very good for the birds too, because remember, they're suffering as well, right? Yeah. They need copper. We all do. It's, in our, it's naturally in our body. You know? So copper bird baths can be very beneficial. If you have animals, you can get them a little bowl you know, so that they get a little bit of copper. I've even seen people take antennas and place them into their quail coops and they're getting more eggs than usual. Mm -hmm. 
And I've seen people take antennas, and this was in a book from 1888. They were taking antennas and placing them into the areas with their sheep, and their wool of the sheep started getting two times as thick and growing two times as fast. So, you know, Robert, that wasn't Robert Forrester, was it, Scott? I know he was big in the late 1800s and was doing a lot of this, but um, yeah, that makes that makes so much sense, man. Like, get it in the chicken coop. You know, that's why they had probably the weather vanes on the chicken coop and stuff, right? Yes. Um, And that's the windmill, too. You're going into that, right? That's all connected atmospheric energy. You know, they and they were made out of copper, bronze, brass, gold, silver, all these other materials in which we're not using it. But Matt, if you Google copper, it's toxic. You can't drink out of copper vessels. Well, that that's what they say, right? <laughs> I drink out of copper all the time. And it's a great We've had that on a discussion on our Telegram yes. <laughs> because Bear has this amazing uh, uh, kind of like he was saying before we hit record. It's kind of like a Berkey water filter, but it's all copper. And people in the chat were, were in our Telegram were trying to explain how that can be toxic. But go ahead and uh, show us your awesome cup there, Matt. So this is just one, and I have a couple others. A lot used to be made in Korea. Korea actually used to make tons of copper all the time. They actually created the copper watering can, too, with the spout that had a curve on it so that the water would spiral as Mm. it came out. You know, so copper watering can, another great one as well. But, you know, we have been told that copper is toxic and we should stay away from it and all of those other things, you know, just because it's just a narrative. Now, what was interesting is I was talking to a friend the other day And they actually said that that came from studies on dogs and they decided never to test it on humans. But they said that since the dogs were allegedly getting sick from the copper at that time, you know, that they would continue this and then kind of push that narrative. But what's interesting is if we take it a little back, we go 1800s to 1900s. Everybody used to have copper cups. Everybody used to have brass cups. Everybody used to have copper silverware, silver silverware, brass silverware. Right. And People were as healthy as can be. So, you know, when you look at the flip, it's just I think there's a lot of of switching. And there's a great book. I think it's called The Copper Revolution by Jason Hamill. And he pretty much just debunked every single thing related to copper on there. And it was just one that just shows what we've been told the opposite. And I think, once again, because then that makes us dependent on these systems, which then we don't know what the root cause is, which could be just a simple copper deficiency. And Ayurvedic medicine makes a big deal about the, you know, um, benefits of drinking water out of copper. Yep. And that's where the the holy water situation was a brass vessel. And, you know, they would usually place it on top of the head, which was the crown chakra. So then it's placed on top of the scalp. And then, you know, your brain is resonating to that water. But they would let that water sit in a brass vessel for about 24 hours and it would instantaneously structure itself. And then they would, like you said, pour it either on their plants or on somebody if they were, you know, having a health ailment and they noticed that people would heal fast and they were very connected to these metals, which we've been very disconnected. Cause like I said, we switched a lot to iron and DuPont plastic. Yeah. And of course, yeah, there's so much here that makes incredible sense, right? Cause nature provides. And of course these ores are here for a reason. And, um, yeah, it's it's so interesting to think about how much we've lost in such a short amount of time, right? And how simple this is. Bear, if you remember, we talked years ago about having a line of copper gardening tools. There was an artist that was doing it. We wanted to provide that to our Alphavedic community. 
it's really difficult now to find this sort of stuff. And especially with how expensive it's getting. My question, Matt, for those wondering that want to dive into this, what is a cost-effective means to start integrating electroculture into the garden now? And does it have to be copper? Um, I've heard that obviously you want to stay away from steel, but there are other metals you can use as well that might be more affordable. With the copper, the easiest way is to get yourself bulk copper wire, and you can kind of experiment with that around a piece of wood. And that would be the easiest way and probably the most cost-efficient way. Now you can use things like brass. You can also implement some zinc, right? So you can create batteries, but copper would be, at least in my opinion, the the best way to go just because it's the easiest to attain. And like you said, it's very difficult to find a lot of the stuff now that used to be around, right? And a lot of the people who used to create them are no longer creating this or have the, the skill, right? The craftsmanship that came with it, like a blacksmith and foraging and all of these things. You know, so the most cost efficient would be just the copper wire starting there and then just kind of you can reuse it. Right. Because it's not going to ever go away. You can kind of reuse it. You can coil it different ways. You can place it in different spots. You can test different heights, you know, and, you know, as long as, like I said, it's connected into the earth or if it's not connected into the earth, you can also use it with indoor plants and basements because that energy is all there, too. And that's another thing that I learned with all of this is that, you know, you can use it anywhere. It doesn't have to be a selected place or a selected area because this energy is all around us. So two questions. Um, I bury my poles um, about 18 inches in the ground and uh, the pole and the antenna, oh, probably I get about nine feet up in the air. And uh, I use six gauge copper. So just for the, which is expensive, by the way. Um, So what uh, would you recommend people use? And uh, how would you, you know, as far as how deep would you bury it in the ground? So what you did was, I would say is is perfect. You know, I mean, as long as the pole can stand up and withstand the wind, right, is usually pretty Mm -hmm. good. I mean, I've seen people use copper uh, wrapped around toothpicks on their sprouting plants and it's worked and there's those sprouted faster and everything else. So as for that, for the gauge, you know, you can use six to 10 gauge, obviously six is thicker. Like you were just saying, you know, the thicker you go, the more energy that can go through. But, you know, a lot of people, like I said, have used, I've, I watched a lady, she took her tree, her, her Japanese maplewood dwarf tree that was supposed to be a tiny tree. And now it's absolutely ginormous, but she just took very, very thin copper wire and just said, I'm going to wrap it. And now it's gigantic. And so I've realized it's just, it's the coils and the copper just itself working. And it doesn't have to be as complicated as it may seem because once again, if we look at nature, everything is very simple. So if we mimic nature, it's, you know, very simple rather than us sometimes overthinking it. Do you think it's important as far as the number of coils that you wrap around a pole or a stick? So when I look at a lot of these older books, you know, they do a lot of coils and they show that each coil is basically spiraling the ether in a different direction, right? So I I would say more coils can be beneficial, right? Because as you kind of go through it, you're, and that relates into like the works of the dynamos when they used to be around in the 1800s and they used a ton of coils. They were just like coiled up with copper, like no other. You know, so I would say there is definitely something there. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people who just put a a simple copper coil in their garden have had great results. Sometimes with the piping, it's, you know, maybe 50-50, 
right? Someone will place a copper pipe and it won't have the coil and maybe it's more 50-50. And I think that has to do with the spiral. And I say that because I had a lady who had burdock root and her roots were completely twisted. And I believe that is because of the coil situation spinning everything around it with us not being able, able to see it. Well, and on that, we get a lot of questions on this clockwise or counterclockwise. So the best option is going with whatever is, so for example, whatever is going on in your backyard, right? Look at the, look at the way the vines and the plants and everything are kind of spiraling and go with that. I usually say the Northern hemisphere clockwise, Southern hemisphere counterclockwise. And the reason I say that is because the way the water drains, right? When you go to flush the toilet, the water's draining in that direction. So you can just kind of go with that same concept. And I say that because what's interesting is when you get to the equator, nothing's doing anything, you know? So I go with that as the simple spiral, but test both ways, right? Because everybody's land and the energetic principles of their land is different, right? You can be living next to somebody and there can be a ley line running in between you and it's changing things, you know? So try the different ways and just see how it goes. Yeah, I just bought a, a uh, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say on the, on just a tail note on that. There's we've had some interesting conversations about countering chemtrails, for instance, and whether you want to be directing this idea of vortexing the energy up to push them away and versus coming down to feed into the soil, which would pull that in. There's a lot of, I think, still misconceptions around ether and etheric energies. Someone asks here, what about attracting the negative or the toxic uh, or uh, distorted ether, etheric energy into the ground? I still think a lot of there's a lot of unknowns, too. We just got to admit here. Well, and also, too, with what you were just describing, even the cell phone towers, right? You know, a lot of people are concerned they're going to have, I don't know, more frequencies in their backyard because of the towers. But what I've realized is, is the earth frequency is much more larger or is much more is larger and more abundant than all the man-made frequencies. Right. So you're kind of tapping into uh, the Earth's frequency, this mm -hmm. big, powerful frequency that keeps continuously, you know, sending energy versus this stuff is all man made. So it's only going to a certain extent. Um, but yes, I, I can see that. And then also, like you said, the coils. That's why I say try both ways. And even you can do a, a double coil going both ways, like a double helix or whatever you want to say, spiraling up and try that too. Right. Because depending on your land, depending what's there. There's different options of different ones you can try. Like a caduceus. <laughs> yes, that's a, yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. Um, have you ever incorporated organite with the copper? Yes. So I have mix and match. And I know Mitch, he lives not not too far from yeah, me. Actually, yeah, it's, it's like an hour north of me. We talk all the time. But, um, you know, so yes, I have tried that. I've, I've told him that. And I told him about the uh, when we talked about it, you know, you can feel the copper that he produces and all of his organite that he produces. And those things can complement too, right? Because there's quartz, it's being squeezed. There's piezoelectric effects that are occurring. There's copper, you know, all these beautiful things. And I think everything can work in synergy, right? I think that's a big thing. The other thing I think people can start looking into is doing stuff with beeswax as well, because beeswax is, is paramagnetic, non-magnetic at the same time. So, you know, that can be very beneficial of something else to incorporate. But just using even just different crystals and stones and stuff that people can find, you can do so much. It's just, and, and that takes it to a compression factor. I think of people setting up like dolmens in their backyard, and you could try this bear. You could take, for example, big pieces of quartz and stack them on top of each other 
next to your antennas, and that would create mm-hmm. that piezoelectric effect and then also amplify the energy, similar to like mm-hmm. the Celtic druids and shamans. You know, that's what they were doing, stacking those stones. So I think we should incorporate a little bit of that. You see it a, a lot in Japanese gardens, all the different stones they would stack on top of each other. So I feel like we can use that as well, too, as another option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. the, um, you know, in, in basic waveform mechanics, if you have a, a centripetal clockwise, then you're compressing informational fields. So it kind of makes sense that um, with the Northern Southern hemisphere, we might run into some philosophical debate about the shape of the earth and everything, but um, we won't go there for this one. Um, but yeah, the, the, the counter or the centripetal, you know, kind of makes sense as far as trying to compress energy into the South pole, into the ground there. And uh, as we're talking, I've been looking online for uh, copper watering vessels, and I, I love the the Korean one. They, are those still in production? With so the, they don't they don't make any of those anymore. Too, I have a uh, antique mm-hmm. one, but same thing. Like you were just saying, you know, they had that curvature, mm-hmm. and now you see all the stuff mm-hmm. they sell at the hardware store. It's all in a straight line, and it's made out of plastic. You know, so they mm-hmm. they're diminishing that structure. But that curvature was so magical. And what was cool, too, about the old the Korean uh, watering cans was even how they designed the handles and the spout and like the sizes and like the thickness and, and the shape, you know, and it was also in like a little bowl sometimes, which then reminds me of like terracotta clay and things like that. But, yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of those really exist or there's not a lot of people making a lot of this stuff anymore, you know, because I've had people ask, you know, about people who can do it and whatever. But there, it, yeah, it's it's challenging to find somebody who's making the things in the correct fashion and using the material that's actually being stated, rather than, you know, coding things and then selling it as something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, bottom line, this is pretty timely. And uh, you know, say somebody's just an apartment dweller; they have a little uh, deck or maybe a little, you know, small plot of land somewhere. Um, we're talking food shortages and all this kind of stuff coming up, uh, which I think are already happening. So uh, this is extremely well, practical information. I think with people just being able to provide for themselves, Mike, sorry, I talked over you there. No, no, I was just going to, I was going to say the same thing in leading up to World War II, the Nazis were essentially doing an embargo of the UK and stopping food imports. So literally the English government went into full-on electroculture mode in investigating this and actually wanted to implement this to decentralize their growing or to essentially get more sovereign with their growing food. And they found great gains. And then, of course, as Matt said earlier, once that war was over, it went away. And there was actually, I forgot the guy's name, but he went back into the old records and found all this stuff. And it was specifically not shared. It wasn't like it was totally hidden, but this information they found was, was, was hidden away in the archives. And so the U, you know, you know, the UK or the English government was actually doing this in mass scale leading up to world war two before that same reason bear, because the food shortages. So uh, I think it's a phenomenal, cause we're all about decentralization here, Matt and self-sufficiency and all that. So this is just another great tool 
uh, that we can easily implement. And also, I was going to say, there's a lot of copper wire and stuff in old structures, especially with the urban decline that we're seeing. Uh, I was going to say, my my brother-in-law, my sister, there. Uh, well, he's from Detroit. And um, they live outside of Detroit, you know, and there's like a lot of stories of people going into these old warehouses that were just empty and stripping all the copper out. And of course, they're just reselling it to China or whatever. But that's a that could be a, an interesting new little cottage industry, uh, people creating electroculture rods for others by having access in all this urban decline areas uh, to start accessing all of that old copper wire and repurposing it for growing food. I like that. And or a thrift store, right? You could find go to a thrift store and find copper there or a scrapyard. You know, there are always yep. all these different places. You know, you don't have to go to the hardware store. And I just give that as an example. But yeah, and those and a lot of those buildings you just mentioned, a lot of those are old world buildings. So those old world buildings were loaded with copper and all types yep. of beautiful materials, you know, and now they're falling apart. And then they're telling us it's a different narrative and whatever else. My favorite online shopping place is Etsy. Uh, they, you know, just because there's so many independents making cool stuff there, and there are people that are making these uh, these copper coils and everything. So, if somebody doesn't want to do it themselves, they can go there and just, you know, buy some packs of those and stick them in the ground or in your planting beds. Um. So the next thing I'd like to talk to you about, you know, is certain plants and mushrooms, you know, medicinal herbs. Uh, of course, they concentrate uh, nature's patterns in a certain way. We'll just say it loosely like that. Now, you have a wonderful line of products. Um, uh, would you like to talk about those a little bit and, um, you know, why you choose certain mycelium and different types of herbs for uh, what you produce out there? Of course. So when I was in the fitness world and I was studying supplements and vitamins and doing all of that, you know, I understood things on a singular level, right? Just a synthetic, let's say one ingredient. And, you know, our body doesn't work like that. And over time, as I got into healing my body, understanding GMOs, toxins, chemicals, watching GMOs revealed, which is 22 hours long and probably one of the best documentaries out there for food. You know, as I got into all that, I got into a lot more into superfoods, understanding the benefits of superfoods and certain superfoods, which provide healing on all the pathways, because that's what I've noticed. We're, we're pathways have been shut off, you know, and it's the same thing with the plants. It's the same thing in the humans, you know, and in the animals and things like that. So as I got into that, I started studying certain ones and the ones that really stood out to me, obviously, there's about three of them that are, I could name off the top of my head. But, you know, it's dragon's blood, pearl, and shilajah, you know, and those three, I think, are probably some of the highest superfoods for bringing into our body. You know, when I got into dragon's blood, it was just remarkable to learn about this tree. It, it's, it's basically this ancient Draco tree from the Atlantean times. That's the story behind it, when Atlantis used to be here. And when they would cut this tree, it would begin to bleed like blood. And it was interesting because it looked like, it looks like maple syrup or turpentine. Right. Same, same, same realm as that as well. But when you would take dragon's blood and place it onto your skin, you would notice your skin would begin to heal very quickly. And we had a lot of people who they had uh, skin issues going on and dragon's blood worked really well on that. You know, they, it was also used to restore the gut. It was helping with H. pluri, helping with the brain, helping with radiation poisoning, which is another hot topic because a lot of the stuff that we face. But I thought this is a very interesting one because of the auric value. And that's going into the antioxidant value. So you have blueberries, which are about 10,000. You have chaga mushroom, which is up there at about 50,000. 
And then you have Dragon's Blood, which is three million. You know, so when I saw that, I thought, okay, this has got to this has got to be something in which people can try and consume and maybe provide a solution for especially skin related and things like that. And so we launched that one and it's been a huge success. People have been loving it. Um, then we moved into another one, which was Shilajat, and I'm really big on that. That provides the body with 84 of 102 minerals, also high in fulvic acid, which helps detox the body, pull things out, because we have this overload in our system where our digestion is not moving things through, so the energy stops flowing, so Shilajat can work well for that. And then the last one, which I think is probably the coolest one when I get into it out of all, is pearl powder. And it's just pearls grounded up into powder, and they used to use pearls in Ayurvedic medicine and all these different ways to heal. Uh, what was interesting about pearls is that they would take a pearl and if a person lost a tooth, for example, in South America, they would place a pearl in their mouth to replace their tooth. So, you know, that's where the pearly whites came from, you know, I, and that's that whole topic. You know, so pearls are very remarkable for being the same thing as our body. But what's interesting is they're loaded with calcium carbonate, magnesium car carbonate, selenium carbonate, and all the different amino acids to help heal the body. Now, the most interesting study I found with Pearl was where a professional was using Pearl with her patients and they had cataracts and they were suffering from cataracts and they had about a hundred of them. Now, when she gave them Pearl powder for about 60 days and also had them rub it around their eyes, about 70% of those people, their cataracts went away. And I realized it can be a great solution for all this, these, these, all this that we deal with, LEDs, screens, all this artificial light, you know, fake frequencies and things that are coming into the eyes that are diminishing the eyes because it can help feed those eyes. There's also about 2% water in those pearls, which is structured water, which is what we talked about earlier today too. So when you're bringing those, that pearl powder into your body, you're also bringing structured water into the eyes as well. But it's remarkable yeah. for all different types of things. And it was used for so many things, but basically all of our products and the things that we do are just to identify certain pathways which have been disabled or over time are maybe needing a little pickup or a little energy, and we're trying to feed those. And then on top of that, on our website, we have blogs, information, things related to electroculture, everything to elevate your terrain. Because that's the other part that I realize is very important, is that our terrain is playing a big role in, in our health diminishing over time. And as we clean up all those things in our terrain, you know, such as removing LED lights and all these other things, we can also elevate our health as well. Yeah, we, we have a two serum product that's very popular and uh, one of the key ingredients is pearl powder and it works brilliantly. Um, you know, what I like about your products, you share the same philosophy, you know, as our product line and that's, um, you know, we're not trying to biohack the body with all these, you know, um, isolated ingredients and, and things, you know, you're just taking what nature provides and intelligently, uh, you know, putting them uh, either complex or, or, or alone so that they can do what they're designed to do in the first place. And, um, you know, I really don't believe in supplementation that much, but what your products are and what we also do on our end is that we're taking whole food um, elements, you know, and just, uh, you know, providing those in an unadulterated, uh, amount. And, you know, there are some of nature's offerings that are much more concentrated, uh, especially if you're talking about buying organic food in the store, which is, um, you know, not that great these days. So, 
Um, so tell people how uh, they can find, uh, you know, all your information about everything you just talked about. So they can find our website, cultivateelevate.com, and we have all of our products on there. We also have a second page that's attached to that, which has an electroculture information page, which is just videos, questionnaires, all different types of things related to this topic. We're on YouTube and Rumble, and then also we have a Telegram chat where people can come in and communicate and join. We have a lot of people who share their gardens, what's going on, you know, really big into trying to connect people between each other, because I feel that's another thing. Our social media is almost antisocial when you think about it, but we're really about trying to connect people so that they can communicate and make friends with other people in their region, right? Or in their state or their country, because then they can make friends and they can work together, right? And so we're really big on that, but we have a Telegram channel. And then on Instagram, we have Cultivate Elevate and Cultivate Elevate too. Yeah. And I've been to your site and uh, great instruction. Um, you know, I refer a lot of people there for, you know, they're just getting into electric culture and everything. So you've done a great job there. A lot of good uh, interviews you've done. Uh, those are all posted there as well, right? Yes. So I put a whole bunch of, if you scroll to the bottom after the frequently asked questions, then mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different interviews I'll also put in there. And each one just hits on a different thing, you know, so just different topics so that people can just see something of a different side. And yeah, there's there's a, a plethora of information. I'm working on a book as we speak with electroculture, which I will be compiling and putting things together. But, you know, I'm I'm doing that slowly over time because I want to be able to show a lot with it rather than just, you know, you put the wood in the or the wood in the copper in there. And this is what happens. You know, I like to be able to show just so people can see you know, side by sides and comparisons and things. Yeah, that's cool. You uh, so, you interviewed with Renette Senum, um, who we've had oh, on yeah. this show twice. And she was one of the people I was thinking of when I was relating um, the whole trees falling over in Northern California, because she had done some really <laughs> had videos that went viral during the big snow, heavy snowfalls this winter, and her trees were just collapsing all around her because of the weak roots. So uh, that's really cool. She's hip on hip to this because she gets it. Yeah, she's she's funding actually. Just so you guys know, if you anybody wants to look into it, one of the largest publicly funded chemtrail lawsuits. So that's actually what she's up to right now. So if anybody wants to look into her work, you can see the lawsuit that is being publicly funded and what they're going to be doing with all of this barrage that's going up in there. Fascinating. Well, that's that's amazing. Uh, maybe we ought to have uh, her back. I, I I over a phone call anyway. I'd like to um, you know find out more about what she's doing there. And isn't it amazing that you know I, I consider chemtrailing probably the you know one of the most single biggest threats to everything. And right now we're you know knee deep into politics and congressional hearings, and nobody's mentioning a word about it. Except for one candidate, uh, RFK Jr. I'm not a political right or left guy because I believe it's all theater. But RFK is um, making some noise about all that stuff. And his campaign manager, Dennis Kucinich, who I've loved for many years, I think he's a great guy. Um, you know, he's bringing up the chemtrail uh, issue as well. So I think it's oh. starting to sneak uh, into the dialogue there if, um, you know, Pressure release valve. It's gotten too, I think it's gotten too known. And uh, yeah, we, 
Interesting, interesting times we live in right now, guys. It's uh, in this exciting journey. And what I think we love the most in Alpha Vedic is um, the ability for the individual to find solutions in their own life and not depend upon anyone with supposed authority, right? So we don't need to go to Monsanto. We don't need to go to companies and to fix our stuff. We can do it by literally using what the earth is giving us, wood and copper and our brains. So Thanks so much, Matt. Any final things to uh, to add here or to let our community know about what you're up to in the next few months? Just that's pretty much it. Just if we stay tuned on our website, I always just keep putting up before and afters and different things showing examples. And yeah, I'm just about just experiments and trying different things and just test it out, see if it works. You know, that's the best way. I know on your guys' video, there's a lot of people saying, you know, it's not this and not that, but test it out. See how it works. Do it yourself. You know, that's what I see it. Don't knock it. Try it. Right. Like let's because our whole instant instant way of thinking is it can't be it can't be this. But we have to we should experiment. We should try. And I think the biggest thing about electroculture, and this is what I've loved about it. I have kids now tagging me who are like nine years old, 10 years old in their electroculture gardens. And this one kid was yeah. going around showing how big a squash was and he's holding the camera and it's like floating and whatever. And he's like, look at how big it is, you know? So think of the inspirations that are happening to children for the next generation and kids understanding all of this, which has been lost over time. You know, it's changing that. It's changing, it's just showing a different side, right? Just something else. So I think it just instills the creative side. So like I said, just try it out, test it. If it doesn't work, try it again and do it again. Move your sticks, you know, move your antennas around and try different things, try different setups. And just keep going because that's how we've always done things. And I think that's an important one just to kind of leave it on. And I think they called that empirical science in the old days. I think so. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Actual science, not commercial corporate scientism. Well, that's great, Matt. Appreciate it. This has been a lovely discussion, man. We, we I definitely feel um, like you're part of the fam, the AV family here. You're resonating immensely with what we're all about. So keep it up, man. Keep doing what you're doing. And I love that you're an entrepreneur too. Uh, that's what we're all about, building the new parallel systems and doing the business ourselves, right? Um, and not relying upon large corporations and all that. We can, We got it, guys. We got this. So cultivate elevate.com go check it out go support matt and everything he's doing love you brother thanks for joining us today and i hope you guys enjoyed this discussion if you did please share this with your friends and family hit the like button uh share it and that really helps us get the information out you can find out more about us at alphavedic.com a-l-f-a-v-e-d-i-c.com and we're very proud to be presenting the end of covid strike number three bear uh and go to i the think end that was five or six uh, the end of covid.com join now and you can get uh 50% off if you do that it's a free it's totally free for 21 days it launches we push it back to july um 711 july 11th but you can register now and there's some free stuff in there uh you can get 50% off the knowledge share through the sovereign's way through the law for mankind course uh, and it's all about sovereignty and taking charge of this truth uh when we know this truth that the germ theory is a myth uh, a lot of the fear goes away and we can just en enjoy our body and the powers that we have to heal ourselves and the planet. Remember, get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go ground, go uh, plant something, go for a hike, go hug a tree. Mother Nature's our best teacher. Go show her some love and we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.
Thursday, 10 a.m. Thanks, Matt, so much. No problem. Thank you, Matt. Later, guys.